Southern Culture on the Skids is a rockabilly, R&B, surf rock, southern country rock band that has been a mainstay of clubs for years. They performed on TV shows like The Tonight Show with Jay Leno and Late Night with Conan O'Brien, not to mention the Beavis and Butthead movie. They have a loyal following that have been following them for years. During the pandemic, they recorded an album called At Home with Southern Culture on the Skids. I had a chance to chat with Rick about the recording, the songs, and how the band has been doing this last year. I hope you dig it. All right. Well, uh, the, the new album is called At Home with Southern Culture on the Skids, and it has a really cool sound to it, lots of different styles. I was wondering if you could start off by telling us a little bit about the, the album and uh, the recording of the album. Well, we had started to record an album uh, before the pandemic hit, uh, but we had a lot of touring and stuff. It was always that way. We we tour a lot. But we didn't, we, were, we had some material and that we wanted to make a new record with, but uh, we had, it was kind of slow going, but then the pandemic came, everything shut down and, uh, we said, well, let's, let's focus on a new record. Let's make a new record. Well, we couldn't really, I have a studio with a big board and all the, you know, big machines and all that stuff. But when everybody, when everything shut down, I couldn't keep it open cause it was too expensive. So I moved, uh, just some gear to my living room. And uh, I kind of thought that it would be really pretty neat to make a record in my living room. I mean, I'm not the first person to do that, that's for sure. But during the pandemic, and I really, it really influenced the way the record sounded to me. I mean, it's much more, uh, well, you know, when you can listen to mixes in a, uh, while you're laying on your sofa or reclining in a, you're lazy boy, you know what I mean? It, it's kind of a different vibe, right. you know? And uh, so that was, it was really fun. I really liked the record. The sounds are different too, because we had to, you know, we couldn't, no big amps, just small amps, more acoustic guitars, vocals were very, uh, mm-hmm. it was much more intimate and much more uh, kind of laid back. Uh, doing the vocals in your living room and stuff. Just maybe all the stuff in your... I have high ceilings in my living room, so the sound's really quite good. Dave played the drums that my son is playing right now. Small uh, uh, student kit. And, um, I mean, we did a couple songs. Uh, we had started a couple songs out at the, the real studio and stuff, too. So it wasn't all recorded, but most of it was. And almost all of it was mixed in my living room actually i think mix in my living room a guy told me the other day he goes i think your record in your living room sounds better than your other ones he said you should mix all your records in your living room <laughs> I say well i'll talk to my wife she can say <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting so did you have to you have high ceilings but did you have to do any other uh, sound treatment to get uh you know the drum sounds and that kind of stuff well you know no no i didn't i mean i pulled the drapes huh. <laughs> that was about it Right. I, but you know, there's bookcases and all kinds of things on the walls and it's not mm-hmm. a square room. The ceiling is, I don't know. It's, it's strange geometric shapes. Cause it's not, it's not a rectangle. It's uh mm-hmm. and it's got some, I don't know what you would call it. ISO something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's a geometric mess, right. but it sounds great. Right. Yeah. And, uh, like I say, it, the sound gets broken up and it's big enough and long enough and the ceilings are high enough that there's real no standing waves. You can sit in there and clap and it's a real natural decay. Hmm. So, uh, you know, it's like a big room. It's a, it, we only have two halves of the house. 
one half of the house has all the bedrooms and bathrooms, and then the other side of the house is just this room. Nice. So it's quite quite large. That's great. I never would have guessed it was recorded at home like that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, it's. I was amazed. I mean, I told my wife, I said, well, let's sell the big studio, man. I'll, I'll, if I build you a new kitchen and, you know what I mean, and something far, far away from that side of the house, can I just have put my studio in the living room? Right. <laughs> Sounds so good. Definitely, definitely. We'll see. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> well, I, I really like all the uh, the vintage um, sort of uh, sounds on the on the record, and I'm, I'm interested in your uh, guitar setup and instrument setups um, uh, for for the band. Uh, well, my guitars, I, I played a lot of an old uh, silver tone hollow body on this one. Mm. Uh, it's uh, I guess the the I, I guess the model number would be a Espana maybe. Or a H sixty three, something like that. Hmm. Anyway, it's a it's a hollow body uh, harmony with these pickups on it. They're P thirteen pickups, hmm. which I think were the the precursor to like a P ninety. Yeah. But they've got a great sound. They they just sound like nothing else. They're very lively and they've got they react really good to like your picking dynamics and stuff. Hmm. And then as far as amps go, I played through. Um, well, I got this. I. I have magnetone amps that I really like, but I found it. I actually found a, a pedal that I, I liked a lot too, that, that kind of gave me that magnetone sound. Cause they were a little bit loud for the living room. Cause I had the, it was a two twelve. the, uh, but, uh, I, but most of it, most of it was like a Fender Princeton okay, or my old Supros. Mm-hmm. I get my Supros hooked up so I can just, uh, run a, uh, I can plug in a speaker like a like it's a, like a old groove tubes made this thing called a speaker emulator mm-hmm. and i get my supro set up i have a couple supro set up so i can plug and go directly into those emulators right so it keeps it really quiet huh. if i can't mic the amp like if i'm doing overdubs in the middle of the night right. and it, i mean it's the amp it's all the dynamics of the amp but it's just it's just hooked into a it's like a a dead box on the speaker you know but it 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 transmits the the sound hmm. uh, to the board through the board. I mean, it sounds amazing. And it's really old. They don't make them anymore. They're hard to find. I'll buy one, every one I see. And uh, but then I then I also mic'd up uh, my let me see Supro Fender Princeton Silvertone Hollow Body um, my Dan Electro. Uh, oh, it, uh, my acoustic guitar is a. Uh, Gibson J forty five, and let me think. What else we used? Um, we used some uh, tube. We used. I had a retro. Uh, it's a newer one, but it's a tube uh, preamp with a compressor in it and some EQ. It's like a channel strip. Okay. It's just called the retro channel, and I used that on a lot of stuff where it sounded good with the old. Uh, uh, it's not old, but I, I, it's got the same capsule, I believe, as a Neumann. It's a Gefell. They're, they were like the East German. I think when Germany got cut, sliced up, you know, the East German or East Germany had Microtech Gefell and West Germany had Neumann, but they had been the same company. Huh. And uh, that was a great value in mics. I got a I got a bunch of those mics, and they've got the uh, they've got the same capsule. I think is the Neumann 
anyway yeah <laughs> it, you know we can go down a we can go down the gear uh, rabbit hole here if you want but uh oh i also played my my telecaster i have a telecaster i like okay and um and a gretch here and there right and uh uh old fuzz pedal my favorite fuzz pedal is like a vox old vox fuzz pedal oh, okay yeah, so that's those fuzz sounds. You can't. I don't think you can get better than an old Vox or Tone Bender fuzz pedal. That really sounds good. <laughs> yeah, I've been looking for a good fuzz pedal. I'll have to check those out. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what. The best value, and you can find them uh, on eBay every once in a while or on Reverb. They they made them, I think, in the in the late eighties and maybe the nineties. But they were a Vox tone bender clone right that is like the second wave or something and nobody i don't think anybody really uses them but man they sound great you can find them on ebay pretty cheap huh. right they're ger- germanium transistors and everything wow well that's a good uh, anyway yeah that's a good tip i like it oh yeah yeah check it out yeah you know another thing i used on this record a lot was a um it was a it wasn't a Vox, but it was like an old treble boost pedal. Okay. And uh, I used that a lot, too. You know what's cool about some of that old stuff, man? It's like, it's pretty raunchy sounding, but if you turn the volume down on your guitar, it actually cleans up really good, and it gives it a real nice presence, right? It sits in a mix really good, just even rhythm parts. Mary played a, she played her Dan Electro bass almost everything. That's the best-sounding recording bass I think I've ever heard. It's an old silver tone, dolphin nose, single cutaway, one pickup, Dan Electro, probably made in the early 60s. Sounds so good. That's cool. Do you, do you go uh, direct on that or do you have it through an amp? Uh, I'll do a little bit of both. Usually, though, I'll do, uh, usually I do a DI, especially uh, we had doing it in the living room, man. We got to keep it down a bit, you know? Right. So, so we did do mostly mostly di stuff but i do a lot of reamping too on a couple of the songs i'd go out and uh i'd reamp uh i'd go out to the studio and if i needed something really kind of open and loud i would reamp it out there but i think the only one that we did that with was that it was that one uh night driver i just couldn't get the tone i wanted it uh in the living room right but uh but anyway that was a jazz master by the way that was a jazz master guitar oh, okay that's cool. Okay. All right. I'll... And a Supro and a Supro Dual 12 was a big star. Supro big star. Okay. Sweet. I'm, I'm stuck to check out that <laughs> Vox uh, pedal. That, that sounds cool. I'm going to look into that. Oh, yeah. And they show up. They show up with some regularity, and they never go for much money. At least they didn't use to. Right. Cool, man. Well, um, I, I, I got a friend of mine who turned me on to you guys a couple of years ago, um, Andy Harrison. Shout out to, to Andy Harrison. He's a big fan. And um, he asked me to ask you about uh, throwing out fried chicken at shows. Is that still a thing that you guys do? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it started a long time ago just as a kick. And uh, and the fans loved it so much. I mean, we, we tried not to do it for a while, but the fans, they get so mad and stuff. It was like, I mean, what do you, do you like us or the chicken? You know, I, I don't want to know the answer. Like, like the chicken right <laughs> anyway so we just keep doing it but you know as i got once we picked it back up again we tried to stop for a while and then once we picked it back up again you know i realized it was pretty fun actually 
it's really fun to get the audience involved and it just, I don't know. It's just, uh, you never know what you're going to get, you know? I mean, sometimes you'll have like people up there, all they want to do is eat the chicken. They're starving, right? (laughs) So they just stand there right, with a drumstick and eat it while you're playing. (laughs) And then, you know, and some people take their clothes off to eat it, right? And some people throw it, you know, matter of fact, too many people throw it. And then it just comes back, right, at twice that speed. <laughs> it's like a law of physics, right? Whatever velocity of the chicken leaves the stage, it, re- re- it returns at twice that velocity. Right, so, right. Yeah, I've been hit by a lot of chicken, you know. <laughs> but um, anyway. but the most dangerous one, though, was we were in Alaska, and we were playing um, in Anchorage. And it was when Camelwalk was out, and they were playing it to death on the radio station up there. And when we went to play it, like everybody knew it. And the little Debbie distributor had come to the show and given everybody there, like a thousand people, like two or, you know, little Debbie oatmeal pies. Right. Uh-huh. Well, when we started playing that song, they all started sailing them like Frisbees. Oh, and then somebody <laughs> had the idea to take a second one and take it out of the wrapper and ball it up. Right. And oh. throw it. And it's like getting hit with a dirt clod. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to hide behind my amp. <laughs> Pretty song. <laughs> anyway. Oh, but yeah, no, the chicken, yeah, no, we still do it. It started, it started in, um, it started in Virginia at a Mexican restaurant where we were playing on like a Tuesday night. It was where JMU is, um, golly, out there in South, uh, uh, oh golly! No, North Northwest Virginia, I guess. Where is that JMU? Uh, anyway, we were playing. There was three people in the club. We were it was one of those nights where we had these three sets, and the owner was contractually obligated to give us dinner. But instead of giving us Mexican food, he just got a bucket of chicken and he set it on the stage, like in between, like while we were playing. Uh-huh. And somebody walked in off the street, sat there and watched us. The stage was right by the door, right? Uh And he sat there and watched us for a minute. It could have been a homeless guy. I mean, he looked homeless. And then he just walked over and grabbed a piece of chicken out of the bucket. (laughs) And I was like, dude, what are you doing? I said, you know, it's like, that's our dinner. That's all we'll have to eat today. And he just kind of shrugged his shoulders and uh, was like, yeah, what's new? And I, I said, well, get up here and get up here and perform with us then. So he got up and he just ate the chicken and kind of did this little shuffle. And the three people in the bar stopped what they were doing, you know, were totally, you know, just paid such attention to the whole, the whole thing. Right. And I thought, my God, I said, if, if we can do this with like this guy, just think if we could get some of our better-looking fans to get up on stage to eat some chicken. <laughs> <laughs> might might go over pretty good. Right. And it did. It did. Oh, that's <laughs> anyway, funny. It's fun. Right. Well, I've, uh, I'm really digging the song Call Me. I played it on my my, my radio show the last couple of weeks. And uh, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that song. So call me. Call me. Pick up the phone and call me. I wrote that song about three weeks into the pandemic on my front porch. Mary and I were sitting there. It was a nice day. Everything had been canceled, and we didn't know what we were going to do for money. 
And um, I mean, because we had, we were booked through the fall of, you know, 2020 up into December. And that was March. And, um, you know, we just didn't know what we were going to do. So we were trying to get some unemployment. And, um, and I was, the sites, they were just kept crashing. And the bad news about the pandemic just kept hitting us, you know, while, you know, on the computer, all the things were popping up about uh, mm-hmm. everything. And I just, you know, I just said, man, I just would, I just wish somebody would call me and like, you know, give me some good news. Right. <laughs> and that was it. That was it. And the line about the pajamas and no bananas. And that's a true line. I mean, I trying to, I mean, you, you went through it, I'm sure, you know, right. Mm-hmm. No bananas, no garlic, no toilet paper, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You never get out of your pajamas. Literally though, I did use my uh, local celebrity to, uh, to, 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 I have a, we have a fan that works at the local grocery store. And when I talked to him about the banana problem, my pandemic banana problem, <laughs> he, uh, he said, Oh man, Rick, I'll call you when the trucks are coming, man. I'm a big fan. <laughs> so, so yeah, he called me when the toilet paper trucks came and when the garlic truck came and when the banana truck came, you know, it was really great. You know, my own little thing would pop up on my phone and I said, okay, got to go to the grocery store. Where's my mask? You know? And, uh, anyway, I gave him a CD, signed a CD, took it down to him and stuff. Nice. So, you know, good relationship. That's good. Good to have a friend on the inside, but that's how that song came across, you know? Yeah. I had the rhythm. I think we did. Mary and I just were goofing around with some rhythm one time, and I was said, "Yeah, call me." And Mary goes, "Oh yeah, I like that. That's that's a good one. That that can be the pandemic song." Yeah, super catchy. So, I like it. Yeah, yeah, I do too. It's really fun to play. Everything on the record was fun to play. Now I can't say that about every record we've ever made, but everything on this one was fun to play and fun to sing. Yeah, it has it has a fun sound to it. It sounds up upbeat and kind of kind of hopeful. Yeah, and I think that's what people need, man. I I think people, you know, it made me feel good to make the record. Kept me focused to something to do. And and you know, the other thing we did is we learned how to make videos. We've done a few. We've done three or four um, of our own little Final Cut Pro videos. Mm-hmm. One of them's up for the. Three of them will come up here pretty soon. That we did for a, a radio uh, station, but then uh, we just put one up. Uh, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago, uh, for the instrumental Billy's board, which actually is a buddy of mine from Morro Bay, um, surfing all the footage in the background is him really surfing on some old, like eight millimeter home movies uh-huh. that he had transferred to digital and sent them to me. And we, uh, we learned how to do a green screen thing, kind of like the star Wars. Right. <laughs> and, right, uh, right. it was really fun. It was really fun. I'm having a great time. I mean, it sucks not being able to play, but we're making the most of it. And we've really, uh, have uh, learning a lot of stuff, man. And having the time to finish songs and records and stuff. I mean, uh, we're making the best of it, but yeah, I miss playing live too. Absolutely. Well, it seems like things are starting to slowly open up now. Um, as, as the vaccinations get out there at least, you know, they will, I worry about it though, man. It's like, you know, people don't feel safe. I got to, you know, in the clubs, you know, the best places to see music are the yeah. small places. Yeah. Man, when you can get 200 people into a room that holds 150, I mean, that's going to be a yeah. hell of a show. And it's going to be great fun, right? And um, 
But man, I don't know. It'll be a while before those days are here, I guess. But I guess what worries me is if once everybody, we reach a place where things slowly open up. I mean, I do think that the small music venues and clubs will probably be the last to get the okay. But if you have to have social distancing, nobody's going to be able to make the money that they need to stay open. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, for bands to tour. I mean, local bands, I think it'll be good for local bands because it'll be hard for touring bands to play if they can't make, you know, if they can't play to capacity crowds or or close to it. Mm -hmm. It'll be, we'll see. I mean, you know, fingers crossed. We'll see. I wish everybody would be better about wanting to get their vaccines and wearing masks and stuff, you know? Yeah. That is such a, we could have been done with it by now, you know, if people would have just done what they should have done you know oh, listen back last march i thought we'd play be playing by the summer yeah right summer came and went and now i'm wondering if we'll be playing by you know hopefully by the winter of 2020 i think most people say that we'll be back this swing i mean you know maybe this fall i don't know but if people they don't wear masks and they don't get vaccinated these variants you know they can you know the more people that get it the more chances of variance and, you know, things just drag on and on and on. And uh, I just, you know, listen to the scientists. They know what they're talking yeah. about. For real. I understand that, man. Well, I, I also like the song uh, Run Baby Run, and it has kind of a, a B-52 vibe kind of uh, to it. And I was wondering if you could uh, talk about that song a little bit. Yeah, that was one. Actually, that was one of the last songs we did for the record, and um, we've been working on this riff with fuzz guitar. Right, there's fuzz all over that thing, and um, the uh, I, I was there. Were, it started out to be a whole different song called "Don't Listen to Him," and then I kept thinking, "Oh God, these I just this riff. It's like run, baby, run, baby, run, mm-hmm. baby, run." You know, and I said, "Mary, this, I I know we were working on this, but but try try this." I see, I want you to sing this. And she sang it, and when she hit that, you know, that when she holds it, run, baby, run, baby, run, baby, run, you know, I was like, wow, that's so perfect, Mary, so perfect, such a great vocal. And um, I kind of wrote it because by that point, we were all ready to just run, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I couldn't think of anything some days you just fantasized about throwing open the door, and just running, getting on your motorcycle, getting in your car, just taking off, going someplace. Mm-hmm. You know, it was one of the, the later, latter pandemic right. songs where you just want to get the hell yeah. out, right? And not think about anything in the past. Just think about the future and what, you know what I mean? That it's, you know, that it's going to be good, that, you know, once this all gets over with. So, I don't know. I, I Yeah. And that's that song's gotten a lot of airplay. And, and like I say, we needed a, a garage rocker on there and that that's got it you know yeah. the fuzz guitar and the 12 string oh that's a 12 string dan electro lead on that one too oh, okay through a fuzz pedal nice 
Actually, like no, it. it wasn't a fuzz pedal. You know what it was? It was a compressor that I just cranked. Huh. <laughs> anyway. Interesting. That's cool. Well, we talked a little bit about uh, touring and all that kind of stuff, but I was uh, interested in, in what your plans are for the, the, the rest of the year. You got this album coming out and normally you'd be out touring, supporting it. Um, but uh, yeah, what, what do you got going on? Uh, are, are you trying to just kind of play things by ear as you go? Well, we keep, I mean, our booking agent just keeps rescheduling the shows. We haven't canceled any gigs. We just keep backing them up, right? Mm-hmm. And I think now, I think our earliest show will probably be in December, and then hopefully 20, 2022, we'll, we have a full schedule touring, uh, going down to Florida in January and um, I think out to Texas in April, um, West Coast in, um, West Coast in June, out to Denver and back in May, um, the uh, Northeast next fall along with uh, the Southeast. I mean, all over. We'll be touring all over the United States. Right. But it won't really start until 2022. So we're just trying to hang in there and, uh, well, I, you know, make records. And we'll just keep writing songs. Well, I uh, hope to see you guys out there, uh, you know, at some point. I know it's been rough on all you guys. Have you been doing that much online um, uh, streaming stuff? No, we haven't. We've, I, you know, we made a choice, I think, right about a couple months into the shutdown. Well, do we want to do the streaming stuff and do live stuff like once a week and stuff? And I, I watched some of it online and some of it's really good. But I thought like, ah, you know, it just, it just isn't the live thing. I know it works, but I think maybe if we just did one or two over a six-month period, it'd probably be okay. Mm-hmm. But I said, you know, we have limited funds. We have all kinds of time. I said, we've got a studio, man. Let's just work on making records. And hopefully we can tread some water with record sales and selling music until we can get back out on the road. Because you can't make, I mean, the one downside of it all is, man, you cannot, I realize this. I don't think you can make a living in the music business just selling music anymore. It really Mm -hmm. is. It's all keyed into playing live. Right. Um, but you know, but I tell you, it's been, it's okay. We're like, I say, we're making enough money to make the van payment and stuff like that. You know, we're scraping by and we'll continue. We'll, we'll be okay. I think we'll be okay. I'm more worried about a lot of the clubs, you know, that they'll, will, will they be there when we come back? Yeah. We lost a couple of them in this area already and it's a bummer to see them go, you know? What the, where do they play in Reno now? Um, there's a bunch of different places. Um, uh, the, the one that, that shut down was called Jub Jubs. Um, and they had all kinds of different stuff. They played a lot of hip hop and a lot of rock. It was, it was a pretty cool club. Um, mm-hmm. Virginia street brew house does a lot of stuff downtown. Um, it's been so long since I've been to a show. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> um, there's a, there's a one up at Lake Tahoe called um, Crystal Bay Club that is, is a fantastic venue. Really great room. I think room we and played everything. there. I think we played there. I could see that. We're, how long have they been open? For a long time. For okay. you get 20, yeah, 30 years. I think we played there. We did. We had one gig in Lake Tahoe, and I think that's where we played. It was really nice. Yeah, it's a big open room with a big tall ceiling. Yeah, I think that might have been it. I'm not sure. Some of the stuff we did there was in casinos. Yeah, that's what it is. The Crystal Bay Club is a casino. That's it. And that's yeah. it. That's where we played. Yeah, that was that was really nice, man. 
We played a lot of different places in Reno, though. We played just some fans' restaurants and stuff a couple times. That's it fun. was really fun. Really fun. Cool, man. Well, um, if people want to uh, support you guys and buy your merch and all that kind of stuff, what's the best place they can find you online? Well, we're selling our we sell stuff on Bandcamp, and scotts.com is where we'd love to see people go. That's our uh, skid mart and all that stuff, and you can keep up with the band there and what we're doing and what we're selling and how things are going and stuff. Scotts.com, S-C-O-T-S.com. Fantastic. All right, man. Well, that's all the questions I had for you. I think you, uh, th- thanks for connecting with me today. Thanks, Will. I'll talk to you soon, I hope. Thanks, Rick, for chatting with me and taking the time. And thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow my show on Instagram and Facebook and hit that subscribe button. I'll catch you next time. Uh-huh.